Jesus' sake. He says of his own experience in chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians, Are they the false teachers, the servants of Christ? I speak as if insane. He says, I am more so. In far more labors, in far more imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. And you think you've had a tough week. As Paul looked back on every week of his life as a Christian, he faced death head on. And his point is here, if there is no resurrection, as some of the Corinthians were believing, then suffering for Christ makes absolutely no sense. But what does make sense is the Epicurean philosophy, the hedonistic idea, eat and drink, tomorrow we die. This world's philosophy of materialism is legitimate. If there is no resurrection, without an eternal hope in Jesus Christ, then people have to, nothing to turn to but the gratification of their own physical appetites. But the truth of the resurrection allows us to look death in the face and to be free. To be free to lay down our lives for Jesus Christ and to live faithfully for Him, whatever the cost may be. The resurrection is the hope of the martyr. It is the courage for the dying. It is strength for the persecuted. The resurrection of Jesus Christ gives incentive and motivates those of us who are believers to Jesus Christ to lay it all down. To give ourselves up entirely to Jesus, whatever the cost may be to ourselves, because we know in the end the Lord is going to raise us and there will be a reward. Now, if we don't really believe that, then we ought to live, as is suggested here, hedonistically, and be honest about it. But we don't believe it. We do believe that Jesus rose from the dead. We reject the idea that this world is all there is. We believe there is more beyond. And because of that, we're willing to sacrifice. We're willing to do what we need to do for the sake of Christ. And count it a joy. And count it a privilege to suffer for His sake if need be. Well, thirdly, Paul speaks to those believers who are backslidden. And he says that the coming resurrection motivates the backslidden to be restored. Verse 33. Do not be deceived, he says, bad company corrupts good morals. Become sober-minded as you ought and stop sinning, for some have no knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Paul exhorts here the carnal Corinthian believers to awaken from their backslidden stupor. He pictures them as drunken on their worldliness. They are inebriated by the liquor of worldly living. And so he gives three terse commands to these believers who are backslidden in Corinth. 
of self above God, the exaltation of self above personal responsibility, the exaltation of self above others. How many lives and homes are destroyed today by this liquor? And there are Christians who are as inebriated on it as the world is, and the result is the backslid. Here we are to become sober minded. We're to, we're to drink some good, strong coffee of the Word of God and come out of our stupor because of the bad teaching, the bad counsel, the bad advice. The third command for the backslidden is this stop sinning. Again, it's an action that's in process. The false easier. They are sinning, and he says, Stop it. Their sinful lifestyle, the choices they had made, have led them away from the knowledge of God. When Paul says here, some have no knowledge of God, he's not talking about the unsaved. I've heard this used as an evangelistic thrust or missionary thrust. Some have not the knowledge of God. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking here about believers who are backslidden and because their lives are so messed up, they have lost touch with God. And it's shameful. He says, I speak this to your shame that you have allowed this to happen. And what is the recovery? He says, stop sinning. Stop sinning. Stop doing what is wrong in the eyes of God. Now Paul's whole point here in these verses is that the reality of the resurrection and life after death should be a forceful motive for all of us to be restored when we're backslidden. We should stop and take account of our lives as of what we're really believing and who we're listening to and the choices that we're making and how we're living. In light of the fact that one day we're going to stand before Jesus Christ that thought that we will stand before him should motivate us to recover, be recovered from backsliddenness. Come back to the place of obedience and faithfulness. I wonder this morning which of the groups you might belong to. The lost? If 
Jesus, as we come to your table today, may it be a time of decision for us, a time when we reflect upon the direction of our lives, a time when the Holy Spirit will show us the truth.
Jesus shed his life's blood for your redemption. Drink this in remembrance of him. As we remember our Lord's crucified body, let us also rejoice that he is alive that we celebrate his resurrection by these elements as well as his death. And that there will come a day when we will sit down in his kingdom and enjoy the Lamb's Supper, the marriage Supper of the Lamb with him. We anticipate that day. May we be faithful to him, to our Lord, to our husband, until he comes. As we have remembered his body, let us remember his body in the church as well. And if today there are those that that uh, wish to give to the elders fund for those in need, you may do so by placing your designated gift to that fund in the box at the back. We would also like today to give the right hand of fellowship to a number of people and those that are in this service. As soon as I call your name, if you would come out and stand right over here by the organ, we would appreciate that very much. The list today for the right hand of fellowship are Inez Hedgepath, Kim Hyatt, Joelle Coland, Amy and Graham Pfeiffer, Barbara Prokova, Harold and Josie Robinson, Dale and Monica Stoes, Cindy Weddle and Jeff Weddle and Carrie Williams. So those of you who are present, we welcome you in the name of the Lord. Let's stand together, please, as we're dismissed. Be sure to go by and welcome them into the body of Christ that we call Grace Church, Roseville. Let's pray together. And now, Lord, dismiss us, I pray, with the resurrection being a reality in our lives that will motivate us to godly living, to faithful living in our world. Until that day that you come and take us home, that place where there is no more night, to that place where for tens of thousands of years to come, we will 